Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community reintroducing Jesus in Vermont through worship, service, creativity, and community. Good morning, Church at the Well family. I am coming to you from the woods behind the Bailey Casa here in Williston, Vermont. And the weather has just been so nice. I'm sitting here with a cup of coffee, getting ready to share this morning's word with you. And I hope you've been able to enjoy the beautiful weather this past week as things begin to warm up and get more hopeful, right? Amen. Can I get an amen church, an amen from your living room, an amen in the comment box. Uh, amen, amen. Well, this week we are approaching the end of our series, The Way, a walk with Jesus on his journey toward the cross. And this morning we're going to be looking at the way of the cross, the way of the cross. Now, it's not my goal in this morning's sermon to do a deep theological dive into the meaning of the cross or the, a deep get into the, the weeds there and the theological meaning of the cross. If that's what you're craving, my suggestion would be to pick up a book by a man you may have heard of. His name is N.T. Wright, the bishop, and he wrote a book called The Day the Revolution Began, reconsidering the meaning of the cross. And so you can pick up that book by the bishop and that would be a great place to start if you want to do a deeper dive into the theological meaning of the cross. But my rather, my hope this morning is to start a conversation as we prepare our hearts for Good Friday, which is coming up, right? And this morning we're going to reflect on one aspect, one simple truth, that Christ on the cross was an act of love for those he considers his friends. And hopefully this morning's teaching, it's just the first word in a greater conversation that you'll be having this week, whether it's with friends, family, or an internal conversation you're having as you contemplate the way of the cross. Now, over the years, there have been different moments in my life when I have found myself compelled by the way of the cross. My, my freshman and sophomore year of high school, I attended a Catholic high school. My family was not religious or Catholic, and I'm not quite sure how I got there because I went to public school prior to that and I went to public school after that as well. But for those two years, I found myself at a Catholic school. And it was in this context when I was first introduced to Jesus and the cross, the high school provided an opportunity for students to have a field trip to the movie theaters. Yes, to watch The Passion of the Christ, Mel Gibson's movie that brutally depicts the crucifixion of Christ. And you had to get a parental permission for him to go because the movie was rated R. Now, I'm not sure if that was the right move for the school to have made. Um, and I wasn't a follower of Jesus at the time, but hey, going on a field trip to the movie theaters, that sounds pretty nice when you're a high school student, right? And I remember watching this movie and I, I remember feeling just crushed witnessing the brutal execution of an innocent man, but also being compelled by who this person was. How were they responding 
in the manner that they were responding to such brutality with grace, with peace. And so I remember that moment. And a few years later, I became a follower of Jesus and went to Bible college. Now, my, my Bible college was situated near an outdoor sanctuary. It was also a, a, a Catholic sanctuary called The Grotto. And during my freshman year, a friend who was also kind of a mentor of mine because he was a senior, I was a freshman, he took me to The Grotto where they had a path through the woods with the Stations of the Cross. And so what this meant is that there were, there were 14 stops along the path where you could stop and reflect on one specific moment of Jesus's path from Jerusalem to Calvary, where he was crucified. And each stop or station, it grew out of an imitation of a path that some pilgrims actually walk today, um, it's, which is called the Via Della Rosa, which you can find in Jerusalem. And, and along this path through the woods in the grotto, there is an image at each station of that moment. There's a prayer and a scripture reading that connects to that image as well. And I had never prayed with images in this way before, and it, it was incredibly formative. Each station provided an opportunity to reflect on Jesus and the way of the cross. The walk through the woods, it, it fostered an immersive environment for prayer and reflection, forcing me to slow down and pause and pray at each station. Now, a few years later, during my senior year of Bible college, some friends and I, we drove to the Oregon coast, which was a couple hour drive. And the Oregon coast is beautiful. If you haven't been there before, you need to make it there. If you've watched The Goonies, you've seen some of the iconic Oregon coast before. I don't know why that movie comes to my mind. But on our way back to Portland, we stopped at my friend's house to visit their parents and their parents weren't there. And as we waited for them to arrive, I sat down on the couch in the living room and they had a picture book of scenes from the movie, The Passion of the Christ, Mel Gibson's Passion of the Christ. And I, I hadn't watched the movie since I had become a follower of Jesus. And I remember flipping through the pages, which I, I suppose were kind of like a realistic form of the Stations of the Cross, and I found myself moved to tears. I, actually, I was sobbing, like I was just completely sobbing. And in that moment, my other friends were in the kitchen preparing dinner, and while I was sobbing, reflecting the way of the cross and Jesus's crucifixion, my friend's parents walked into the living room, they came home, and I, I had to introduce my mess of a self having never met them before. And so it's kind of funny uh, to think about. But I, I bring up these stories to highlight my belief in the power of the cross. And it's my hope this morning that today's sermon will encourage you to create and find space this week to reflect on the truth that Christ on the cross was an act of love. For his friends was an act of love for his friends and that truth that I hope to reflect on this morning it's found in the Gospel of John and it's actually found throughout 
the Gospels. But just prior to Jesus' journey to the cross, in chapter 15, verse 13, he's speaking to his friends, he's speaking to his followers, to his disciples, to his students, to his apprentices. He says this, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. John is setting up the meaning of the cross for his audience and his readers. Before we read of the cross, before we read about Jesus going to the cross, we receive a frame for the way of the cross. And the frame that we are given is that we are loved by God and that Jesus goes to the cross compelled by this love. Now, the way of the cross is first and foremost something for us to behold, a singular transformative act of love that could only be accomplished by Jesus. The way of the cross is not simply a moral compass to follow. The crucifixion of Jesus changed the world forever. The Gospels and New Testament, they present the cross in this way. It's the pinnacle of God's plan and God's purposes to save the world. It's one act by which God's kingdom was established on earth as it is in heaven, as an act of love for God's friends. N.T. Wright writes this, He was going to do battle with the forces of evil, speaking of Jesus going to the cross, and emerge victorious. He was going to bear our pains and carry our sorrows, to be wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities, to defeat death by death itself. We cannot do that. His death is not a mere example of a general truth or a style of action. It was unique. If Jesus' death is only an example, not an achievement, there is no good news, only good advice. I'll say that again, my brothers and sisters. If Jesus' death is only an example, not an achievement, there is no good news, only good advice. Mic drop, N.T. Wright. You do not want to get in a theological rap battle with N.T. Wright. Trust me. And it's in this place, thinking of this singular, unique act of love of Christ on the cross, is where I hope we are able to begin our reflection and contemplation as we consider the way of the cross this week as we head towards Good Friday. And for that, a question borrowed from N.T. Wright. What does it mean when you get up in the morning and look in the mirror at one of Jesus's friends? What does it mean when you get up in the morning and look in the mirror at one of Jesus's friends? Wow, how would it change us if we were to contemplate the cross from this frame? How would it change you if you were to contemplate the cross from this frame? Many of us have been given a theology of the cross that is much less compelling and complete and holistic than this frame, right? Rather than believing what John 3.16 says, that God so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten son, many of us have wrongly believed, perhaps without ever saying so explicitly, that God so hated the world that he killed his only son. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Know what what I mean when I say say those words, right? We've been we've been given, many of us have inherited that frame for the cross, but that's not the way of the cross. John 13 verse 1 reads, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them until the end. When we behold Jesus on the cross announcing, it is finished. We're beholding the love of God incarnate, the love of God in flesh, paying the price for us, dealing with evil, and claiming victory over death, victory on our behalf, in act not born out of divine spite, but out of divine love. Back to the question, what does it mean to look in the mirror at one of Jesus's friends? In what way would it change you if you were to contemplate this truth? Perhaps it's just that simple truth that you need to reflect on as we approach Good Friday. That would be, okay, stay there as long as you can and behold the cross. Perhaps it's something more specific, more nuanced to reflect on. What would it mean if you were to look in the mirror and see a forgiven friend? and see a forgiven friend. What would it mean to hear the words of Jesus's announcement, it is finished? What would it mean to hear that announcement loud and clear, louder than the voices of guilt and shame in your life? What would that mean for you to look in the mirror and see a forgiven friend? What would it mean if you're the look in the mirror and see a suffering friend? As we behold, we are also called to walk in the way of the cross, to walk in the way of the cross into places of brokenness, in pain, into prisons where we work as suffering friends following the one who went before us to bring the good news of God's love and God's rescue for the world. How would that change your perspective if you were to see yourself as a suffering friend? How would that change your perspective of your current suffering to know that you're sustained by the suffering love of God? What would it mean if you were to look in the mirror and see a commissioned friend? As we hear the call of Jesus that we are called friend, we are commissioned as friends to embody the love of God, the way of the cross in the world, how might that compel you to be a vehicle of hope and healing in the world? You're listening to the official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at wellchurchvt.com.